Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, how's it going? It's pretty good. I just finished the uh, second season of Jack Ryan on Amazon. Oh, yeah? And it went totally downhill. Oh. Uh, but I, for some well, reason, uh, I had to finish it. <laughs> I don't know. It just was like beyond believableness or whatever. So. Yeah, lots of shows do that. They make one good season or two good seasons and then just start to fade, but keep trying to print money. Yeah, yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah, it is a bummer. Anyways, that's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) My mom thinks I look like that guy, Krasinski. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I don't really see it so much, but I don't see it either. Yeah. hmm. Okay. It's too good looking. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know Um, if I'd say that, (laughs) but okay. Uh, today on the show, we have a testimonial uh, about the podcast so we can pat ourselves on the back. We have Sweet. some November LSAT updates from LSAC, including, again, LSAC dropping the ball on the administration of the November LSAT. Uh, it's a bummer, but there's wild shit going on again. Um, they have a different excuse this time, but it's happening again. We have a question about California bar accredited schools, uh, which are worth considering, actually. That's not ABA schools. That's just state bar schools. Um, It can be worth considering. So we'll talk about that for a minute. Hmm. Uh, We have some questions from a dyslexic listener. We have a question about conditional reasoning. and if we have time, we have a diversity statement from Jonathan, and we have uh, a question about how to narrow down your personal statement topic. That should be interesting. Yeah, good. This show will air on Monday, December 2nd. Upcoming events uh, tomorrow, that would be, as you're listening to this, uh, Tuesday, December 3rd, is the January LSAT registration deadline. So you got to make sure you sign up six weeks in advance for that February 22nd, sorry, for the uh, January 13th LSAT. You got to make sure you sign up by December 3rd for that. Wow. So that the LSAC can potentially send you an email two days beforehand telling you that your site is closed, Um, (laughs) which they did over this weekend. Wow, so they need they need a month and a half almost or at least a month and a week <laughs> to and then get still ready end up for you. having yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get to it, but they okay. they closed a bunch of sites again. Uh and they sent the email at night on Saturday for a for for test that was supposed to be on Monday. Yep. Can you imagine doing that? I just can't I can't imagine doing that. <laughs> yeah. But tough. I'm not a monopoly. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> you know, like, when you're a monopoly, you, it doesn't seem as bad, I guess. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, personal statement workshop, Ben. This is exciting. Uh, if you're listening to this on December 2nd uh, or 3rd or whatever, you still have time to sign up for the personal statement workshop that we're doing Saturday, December 7th. Uh, looks like that's going to be a full house. Ben. Yeah, yeah. Sign-ups. We just had a bunch of signups over the weekend as well, and today is November twenty fifth. So 
by the time you hear this, I don't know how many more people will have signed up, but yeah, it's looking to be a fun event. Yeah, space will be limited for that. I mean, we'll probably try to pack the house and and let people come and just stand in the back if we're out of seats. But um, just make sure you register as soon as possible so we can get a a head count for that. Um, The last day to submit your personal statement, if you want us to go over that personal statement at the workshop, uh, is December 2nd. Yeah, well, if you hear We're gonna if you're bump hearing that. this, yeah, if you're hearing oh, this. Oh, that's right. That's that is so, so we can at least give you a day or two. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you're <laughs> sooner interested, rather send than it later. to us. We'll, and if if it's if it makes sense, we'll we'll squeeze it into the agenda. So. Yeah, we're I mean, but we're going to have to print those all out and have packets for people at the at this at the yeah. event. So, yeah. like, yeah, if you try to send it in on the 6th or 7th, that's not happening. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, Get it to us as soon as you can if you're going to be at the event and you want us to review your personal statement. The event is uh, $25. You can register at thinkinglset.com. It is free for Demon subscribers and former Demon subscribers. Uh, I still don't think we have a venue locked down for that. We're going to do that today, but it's going to be somewhere in New York City. It'll be easy to get to. Uh, it's $25, again, or free for Demon subscribers. That's from 1 to 230 on December 7th, Saturday. You want to say anything more about that? No, it's going to be fun. Cool. After that, um, the January LSAT's coming up on the 13th. Uh, The February LSAT registration deadline is Tuesday, January 7th. And that's for a uh, February 22nd LSAT. So there are multiple chances to take it here early in, uh, in 2020. Of course, if you're taking any of those tests, you're definitely um, looking at application in, in 2020 or looking to start law school in 2021, not in 2020, ideally. Um, I noticed that the registration deadlines are on Tuesdays. Any theory? I <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I have no idea why they would have a registration deadline on a Tuesday. Maybe Monday's too intense. It's like too early in the week and then they don't want Friday because then people are going to be like missing it and then complaining that they couldn't reach anybody on Saturday. <laughs> Could be. That's a great, that's, that's my, oh, let's go with that. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll go with that. Um, if, if you want to speculate on why they have their registration deadlines on Tuesdays, you can email the show <laughs> help at thinkinghelset.com. When you do that, uh, if you send us your selfie of you studying or goofing around with your dog or whatever, um, it might end up on our social media. So please uh, send that along. Again, help at thinkinghelset.com. Review us on iTunes, please. Just review us everywhere so that you can uh, help other people find us. We still just don't spend money on advertising. And so it's a, it's an organic uh, word of mouth type of a deal. So please um, help spread the word. Uh, you want to read this uh, testimonial? Sure. Oh, uh, damn. Yeah. So who, who wrote this? Let's see. Braun, Braun, Braun. Let's go Braun, with Braun. Braun. Braun mm-hmm. wrote this in, I think using our contact us form on LSAT. That was the, Best character on Game of Thrones, by the way, was named Braun. Oh, who, who was that? Which character was that again? Um, well, it wasn't. <laughs> this is hilarious about Game of Thrones. There's Braun, Bran, Bryn, Brienne. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, you, you know these names well. I just did like the catch-up season right before eight and then did Oh, no, TV. no, 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 Ben. No, no, no. <laughs> you cannot do that. That is not allowed. What you well, need I to do... Well, I fell off in, in season four when they, you know, castrated that guy. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This well, is too much. <laughs> the truth is all the seasons of Game of Thrones were awesome except for the last one. It was just, they, they did oh, such yeah. a great job until okay. the last season sucked. They did, did feel like it such sucked. a disservice to all those characters. They just fucked it over well, so bad. Well, that's interesting because I left in season four you know i was like this is over the top i'm done yeah. with this bs and then i um watched like the catch-up and then watched season eight and i was like this is horrible so i was like yeah, course, i'm so glad time. i left <laughs> no the first the first seven seasons or whatever it was when they were taking their time with it it was delightful and but the thing is i wouldn't have wanted to watch one season a year i'm glad i didn't watch it until it was already in the final season and then I just binged like the first seven seasons of it. You know, that was my entertainment for like a month or two. I just watched all of it. Yeah. Okay. And then it was, it, then it was super fun. I mean, those characters are amazing. It's like really funny. It's got the action. It's got the, just, I don't know, everything, you know, it's. <laughs> Wait, so who's, who's Braun? <laughs> you said Braun he's the is, best character. Yes. Braun is the, uh, cell sword. Um, the, he's a, the mercenary, just kind of a swordsman, um, just kind of a cocky. Uh, he's sort of like. Is that the really tall guy? No, uh, you're thinking of like the Hound. Okay, yeah, the um, Hound. Yeah. No, Braun is. Uh, he's just a mercenary guy who's basically a, a uh, kind of a scoundrel, sort of a swordsman guy. Hmm, okay, you'd remember. Yeah, if you saw him, I'm sure you'd remember him. He's just always making jokes and uh, killing people. He's good. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, go ahead. Let's read Bronze. All right, so from that guy, um, he says, <laughs> I just wanted to take a moment to relay my story because I think it speaks volumes about the effectiveness of the demon. Oh, this is nice to hear. I began studying for the LSAT in June of 2019, picking up Mike Kim's book and, start, and starting a self-study process. I had no interest in taking any classes, so I stuck with a regular study schedule for, quote, the self-driven student, as Mike Kim puts it. My first practice test was a 155, and as the summer progressed, I got myself into the mid-160s on my practice tests. That's awesome. I plateaued at that point because I was having trouble understanding why I was getting certain categories of LR questions wrong, and I was still not dominating the logic games. LSAT trainer is great, and his study schedule was very helpful to get me going. But a book just can't be as interactive and personalized as is necessary to achieve true mastery of the LSAT. And I never really considered paying a tutor mainly because of my very busy schedule and lack of funds. Enter the demon. I stumbled across the demon through your podcast. I am a true podcast addict. But it was only about a week before the September LSAT. I used the free trial to practice a bunch of logic games and things started clicking for me. I took the, the September test feeling fairly confident. I kept my up my mid-160s and without the panic that so many seem to experience from those logic games. Exclamation point. At that point, having signed up for October, I decided to embark on an experiment to see how much I could boost my score by using the demon for a month. More accurately, just under five weeks. I scored a 164 on the September test, and I just got my October results. I brought my 164, 89th percentile, up to a 171, 98th percentile, by using the Demon Premium exclusively and consistently for a single month. That must be the best 
$195 I've spent on this process of preparing for the LSAT. No, I've not been paid to say any of this, nor do I have any personal relationships with anyone associated with the demon. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, okay, well, this is nice. It's great to hear. It is just one student's experience and so it's, and it's like random <laughs> random data points yeah, too, right yeah. like we have the counter argument here is that it could totally be luck and has nothing to do with the demon but yeah okay go ahead but of course we'll smile and not so thank you Brian. <laughs> um i really can't thank you enough ben nathan and crew for the beast that you call the demon the explanations alone are truly worth the price of admission when you add in the sheer number of available questions and practice tests as well as the targeted drilling there really isn't anything out there that comes close to being as helpful while I agree completely with, with you guys that the LSAT is a test of how hard you can work, the fact is my 171 means I have worked hard enough to achieve my goals, and I won't be paying for law school. Exclamation point. Thanks again. As the demon gets better and better, I predict LSAC will be forced to reckon with it, hopefully by offering you a pile of money for it. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know that LSAC is in the business of <laughs> no. buying useful prep materials but no. um thank you braun and he signs off praise the demon braun i like that yeah well, he sounds kind of like maybe, a mercenary praise the demon <laughs> the beast maybe we should become a non-profit become an mm, okay it, like the lsac <laughs> well like no like the church like the church Can yeah you, we already have People praising the demon. Oh, 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 I see. Claim to be a religious organization and thus tax exempt? Yes. Oh, sorry for my slow uptake here. I'm not usually <laughs> conniving, like conniving? Thinking of scheming. I'm not usually scheming on ways to uh, save on taxes, but that would be a great way to do so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's now public, so, though, unfortunately. um so uh that is amazing braun uh so yeah 89th percentile 164 up to a 98th percentile 171 i mean you look at those percentiles braun moved past nine percent of all other applicants yeah but not only that ben he moved past half of the people in the top 20 right like he he's moving past the people who really matter the most yeah yeah at that point yep i mean he like if you if like let's say the bottom the half entire, of takers aren't applying to law school really well yeah i mean and boy even if you look at like i think people in the mid 160s they sometimes have a credible case for harvard mm-hmm mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. it's you know you probably have to have real good grades to go along with that 164 yeah but you might have a chance to get into Harvard sure. if you're in the 89th percentile. But let's think about the 89th percentile and above, okay? Yeah. If 164 and above is like the people who arguably have a case for Harvard. Yeah. And and probably people below that, you know, kind of don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was on the edge, you know, of like a Harvard type of an applicant. When he went from the 89th percentile to 98th percentile. Yeah. If we're saying that only those 11% really have a chance at Harvard, Mm -hmm. he moved from, you know, he moved from 11th in line to second in line. Yeah. 
with that move. Like if you think about the people who really have a chance of getting into a school like that is what I'm saying. Yeah. He just moved past like 90% of those people. Yeah. So that's a just life changing. I mean, if you're going to talk about the value proposition of the $195 he spent, he, I like it. 100% guarantee that he got himself full rides at some schools with that 171 at like good schools. He got himself a full ride with that 171. And, uh, so yeah, it could have paid him back a thousand fold. Yeah. (laughs) Like literally. Yeah. It's insane. Um, so uh, anyway, congratulations, Bron. Glad you didn't just uh, settle with that, you know, self-study 164. Glad you got the help that you needed to get you over the hump. Yeah. I want to make a point about uh, the explanations. He, he's saying the explanations are worth the price of admission. Sure. I think a lot of demon users don't even know what how many explanations are actually in the demon. Yeah. Um, we have videos for literally every logic game. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, it, there might be one or two stragglers or something that we. Where, I, where like, I don't think that if there are, they're actually from unusual tests that we just need to add in there, like C two and stuff like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so tests so, that people don't even know about or know how to get. So right. So there are videos for every single logic game. Most of the time, there's going to be multiple videos for every single logic game. Ben and I continue to shoot video in all the classes we teach. So those videos are constantly being updated with the most recent um, shit, uh, just like how we're thinking about the test today, because it has kind of evolved over time. Sure. I think Ben and I, we've each like kind of influenced each other, and then we continue to get influenced by our students and, you know, different, there's just different ways of doing it, right? So we're constantly updating all those videos. We have videos for every single Logic game. We also are committed to explaining every single logical reasoning and reading comprehension question in the entire history of the test. Yeah. You will, as you do, and, and most of the questions are already explained with videos at least, and with a growing number of written explanations. Yeah. If you find a question in the demon that does not have an explanation or has an explanation, but it's not fully satisfying to you. If you hit the ask button, it goes into our workflow and we keep up with that shit. We will email you back with a response, and then that response will go into the demon. Yeah. Yesterday, Ben, during my class in San Francisco, I was working during the lunch break, and I made it to zero emails in my inbox. Mm, nice. And so what that means is every single person who had hit the ask button asking for a new, at least I'm doing the logical reasoning half of things, right? Yeah. But people who had asked questions for logical reasoning, even though a test is coming up today, yeah, <laughs> yesterday I was at zero emails in my inbox. Yeah. Now people who submitted on you know Saturday or Sunday, yeah, maybe it hadn't made its way to me yet. Yeah. But for for the people who submitted those requests on Friday, they all had responses yesterday. Yeah. So I don't know. We someone was posting on our Facebook page and I think they just didn't understand. Yeah. They were they were posting like, "Well, I'm going with this other thing because they have more explanations." No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they do not have more explanations. We have more explanations. We also have better explanations. Yeah. That's all I want to say about that. That's good. Oh, and if you click on the menu and then click on explanations, you can go straight to them as opposed to 
doing practice problems first if you want to. And side note. Oh, if you just want to go to questions that that have the explanation or go straight to the explanation. Yeah. Like if so you, the questions there and the explanation there is there immediately. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. If you're drilling in the LSAT and the demon though, if you're drilling in the demon, you do a question, miss it. It'll give you an opportunity to try it again. We're doing that on purpose, by the way, instead of just immediately showing you the explanation. Yeah. Yep. We're, when you miss it, when it turns red in the drilling, when you miss it, it's because we want you to try to figure it out yourself before you look at the help. hundred percent. But the help button's right there. So as soon as you decide, okay, I'm giving up, I want to see the explanation, hit help and all the videos and written explanation, if there is one, it's going to pop right up in the daemon so you can get that help that you need just immediately, right away. Yeah. So that's the point of it. Now, when you do timed sections, what's the best way, Ben, if someone does a timed section or if they do a timed test, what's the best way for them to then get to the explanations? Oh, they just click back on to the timed tests or timed sections page and they can see their tests listed there and they can click Once on them. they've done, Once where they've, they've submitted done. the yep. results. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. They'll see their score and then they can just drill into it and go into each section and review that section. And once they get into the review page, they can choose whether they want to see the answers they chose or not. They can choose um, if they hide their yeah, answers, I they think can do them again or they can just review the explanation. This is why we need to do a little bit better of like onboarding of people to show them those features because yeah. I think that people don't really realize what's going on. Yeah. It, you're going to have to turn the explanations on basically, right? It's yeah. just a slider that yeah. you click and then it'll have all the explanations. It'll show you the correct answer and it'll show you the explanations. Yeah. But we by default, we have that stuff off because we want you to be able to. I think right when you when you 100%. first click into it. Yep, that's exactly it's off. Right. It's off. So yeah, it's true. I, I wonder if some people see that and think, oh, there's no explanation here. Yeah. Maybe the fix is as simple as putting that, make the default on, and then just people can turn it off. Yeah, yeah. Or at least, well, because you, what <laughs> I tried to do is avoid the the accidental second right where you go in there and you see, oh, I got question yeah. three wrong, and I see. What the answer is, I, I wanted to avoid that, but we're we're actually working on that as part of two point to make it a little more seamless and a little more obvious. So, okay, yeah. And if anybody has any questions about how the demon works, like if you don't know how to get to any of these features, we can have one of our awesome team talk to you, you know, and walk you through it. Like we want to hear your feedback on how to make it better, but we also want to hear just anything that you're not one hundred percent, you know, certain of. Um, we want to make sure that you. You, you can get the most out of the uh, investment you're making. Yeah, so just email help at lsatdemon.com. Yeah, sounds like Braun definitely got the most out of the demon. So thanks, Braun, for writing in. Yeah. Um, okay, I got this email yesterday. This is this went out to all LSAT, LSAT licensees. LSAC licensees. Mm-hmm. This came straight from Kelly Testy. The president and CEO of the Law School Admission Council. Yeah. Um, by the way, her middle name starts with Y. So she amazingly has Ys in her first name, her middle name, and her last name. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to paraphrase. Okay. Yep. November test administration, which is happening today as we record this on November 25th. Um, has 26,000 test takers registered and it's the largest of the year. We expanded blah, 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 500 locations in the U S 
While we were able to seat the vast majority of candidates, we learned last week that one of our staffing partners would not be able to meet our demand for proctors and supervisors at some locations. So, in other words, they have to use like a like a temp agency or something like that for the proctors? Yeah, this is uh, insightful. I mean, this is... Yeah. <laughs> I just, we've said it so many times. Sullivan yeah. Learning Center. like uh, Yeah, Sylvan. Sylvan, sorry. I believe is what it's called. Yeah, okay. S-Y-L-V-A-N. That's where you can go sit at a terminal and take the GMAT, the GRE, the NCLEX, the, I don't know, any number of other standardized tests. And it's a professionally staffed... <laughs> I imagine... Permanent... That. Location with locations everywhere. Aren't there like competitors too to that? Probably, uh, yeah. So right, probably, <laughs> which just means like if someone doesn't help you out, you just get your product over to someone else, or you offer it through both yeah. services. Um, they've just tried to take on all of this. They're all by themselves. Yeah, they made the decision to like. I guess it's called vertical vertical integration, right? Yes. They, they decided to try to vertically integrate this, which. Means that they took all this problem, these problems on themselves, um, you know, for whatever reason. I, I, we should, I guess, it, it happened. <laughs> okay. Yep. So we should probably stop beating them up for it. Although, you know, now that I think about it, it would probably be super easy for them to just roll back that decision. <laughs> like, Sylvan's already set up for it. Yeah. Like, just cut your losses and say, okay, what we're going to be good at is creating the test, maybe even the software. But we'll let you do the administration. That's all they have to do. Yeah. I, anyway, um, our test administration team worked night and day to secure and train replacement staff to deploy seasoned personnel from other locations and to implement other solutions that would enable candidates to test at their preferred test center. We were successful in backfilling the staffing needs at a number of test centers. Which, by <laughs> the way, is a vague number. We all know from taking yeah, nails that the... A number. <laughs> what number would that be? Some, which means one. at least one. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, there were about 30 test centers, many of them intended for one or two test takers. <laughs> Again, many of them. How many of them? One of them. <laughs> yeah. Where we could not secure and train the necessary staff to be sure that we could offer the high quality testing experience that our candidates need and deserve. So, in other words, we fucked up on the staffing and we had to close 30 test centers. Yep. We have notified all of the affected registrants via email. That email, Ben, went out on Saturday night. Hmm. And this email went out to us yesterday, Sunday. That's so interesting. I don't understand <laughs> why. I guess, <laughs> I guess they wanted to let people know as soon as possible. But it seems like if they've been working on this problem, right? They could have anticipated this and at least sent it out Friday morning yeah. so people had it's, time to contact them. It's it's just it's like they're it's like they're biting off more than they can chew, right? Like they they keep thinking they can do it, but then they can't do it. Yeah. And so then it results in all of these last minute cancellations, which I mean, it happened at the previous administration. What was that now? September, the September test? No, October, the October test when we had people like getting a last minute, like they were already at the hotel. Yeah. 
that they were staying at overnight so that they could take the LSAT the next day. Yeah. And then now they're, and they're getting canceled on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I guess now we moved it up to, we're going to cancel people on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like after the phones were already closed. Yeah. We've notified all of the affected registrants via email and we're going to follow up by phone call or text for those we haven't heard back from and uh, sincere apologies, blah, blah, blah. Number of, number of, Options for how they can proceed. So the options are, oh, also, I would appreciate your help in assuring them that we will reschedule them promptly and conveniently so that their scores are reported at the same time as they would have been if they had sat for the test on Monday. Okay, but that's only if you take their mandated retake date, which, by the way, is... For those who wish to take the exam as soon as possible, we will be offering them a makeup exam on Sunday, December 8. <laughs> this will be a paper test and will, and will be a non-disclosed administration. As noted above, scores will be received in alignment with the regular November cycle. At least they're doing that. Yeah, that's good. Which does make me wonder why they don't just release the scores faster for everybody. I guess it's a small group of people. Yeah. Still, what's that have to do with it? <laughs> like, it's a digital thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't understand. It's the same. It's one test. Yeah. Right. The number of people doesn't change the the test. I still it's don't understand test. the regression analysis too. Like, it seems like that should all be automated at this point. Yeah. Also, why do you even do the regression analysis if it's a? Sm- Maybe that's what they're saying. So it's a small group, so we're just not going to bother with the regression analysis. I guess so. I don't know. It's uh, weird. I, Anyway, but it's like, but so the first email that I heard was from a, a listener in uh, the tutoring student in Baltimore mm-hmm. who reached out to me and said, yeah, my test center got closed on Saturday night. They told me I could retake it on Sunday, November 8th or Sunday, December 8th. That's a bummer because I was going to come to New York to go to the personal statement thing. Oh yeah. And now it's like, well, sorry, I can't do that because I have to stay in Baltimore so that I can go take the LSAT on Sunday, December 8th. But what about the people who are like going to be in Hawaii or what about the people who are, have, I don't know, like they've got football tickets that day yeah. or they got any other number of things that could be happening. Yeah. I'm not sure why they don't add a few more chairs to these other test centers or send them paper-based tests and just say, Hey, here you go. <laughs> it makes me think that it has to do with the tablets. Yeah. I just, it, it just really seems to me like because they have they because they'd made the decision to purchase 50,000 tablet computers, you know, I can see how that's a big hassle to try to get them. Uh, Although I still just don't understand when people have, when there's a six week registration window, I don't see why we can't get this taken care of. Yeah. It's the (laughs) deadline. So everyone, people have been registering before that. And so you can do some predictions as to how full the test is going to be. And then finally, when it's done, it's done and they don't budge. It's not like you can call them the day after and be like, Oh, please, please. I missed the deadline. Last minute. No, they don't do that. So if anything, the number is going to be smaller (laughs) than whatever number of people actually registered by the deadline. And, um, I think you can just order, more tablets at that point if you need if you really needed to which would be strange but you could for the amount of money you charge people to take the test you can buy a tablet for every student who signs up i mean 
you can get a tablet for 200 bucks. I don't know. It costs 200 bucks to take the test. The, you can't get the surface. Well, yeah, close. Yeah, it's close. It's close. And you know they're getting volume discounts. And you know you that know, they're going to use Microsoft. those tablets again. So they don't need to buy. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's confusing. I, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going anyway, on. Anyway, for those who prefer to take the exam at a later date, we will provide priority registration for the January LSAT or any future LSAT of their choice at no cost. <laughs> priority registration, whatever that means. If a candidate prefers to simply cancel, um, then we'll give them a refund. Thanks. <laughs> in addition, this was the part that was actually like seemed insulting to me. Yeah. In addition, we will provide all affected registrants with four free score reports to the law schools of their choice in recognition of the inconvenience. And she didn't put the value in this email, but on the email that they sent out to the uh, students or the applicants, the test takers, it had value one hundred ninety dollars, one hundred eighty dollars. Yeah, sorry. And that to me was just maddening because I mean that is what they charge for those reports. They charge forty five dollars a piece, but the value of those, (laughs) I mean, it's an electronic report. It's basically like a link. Yeah, it's like here, here you go. Here's all the digital documents that we have, you know. So to say that four of those is worth one hundred and eighty dollars is just a little grating. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, this part I thought was interesting. Uh, it says finally, in addition to the options outlined above, we recognize that some candidates may have unique situations, so we are committed to working with each individual to attempt to meet their particular needs. And then it gives uh, an email, lsacinfo at lsac.org, mm-hmm. and a phone number, 215-968-1001. And she is encouraging us to encourage you to contact their candidate services team. Yeah. Uh, again, so that's lsacinfo at lsac.org or 215-968-1001. Yeah. Um, I don't need to read the rest of that, but that's from, from Kelly, the president and CEO of the law school admission council thoughts. I wish them luck. Um, I do too. If, if I were to do this, <laughs> if I were to run this test, I would do two things. I would one, I would make it computer adaptive so that you don't have a set number of questions. Instead, the system adapts to your skill level and only tests right around where you're at. I think it would be a more accurate assessment of each candidate. It, it would, would also be less shorter. time. Yep. Mm-hmm. It would be shorter. And I would administer these um, in these testing centers so that people could take them at any time, which, inst- which, which, which would mean that when someone goes in to take a test, every test would be different because they'd be pulling from a pool of questions. But I feel like that would be much easier to maintain than this whole architecture and so that would be my recommendation if they ever wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had no problems. I, I took the GRE and I took the GMAT before I took the LSAT, actually. And I took the GRE in 2001. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At a Sylvan Learning Center thing or testing center, whatever the hell they're called. And I got my score immediately on the day. Oh, and yeah. then I took the GMAT 
And same thing. I got my, I, that was in, I took the GMAT in like 2002. And it's like, you finish the last question and it goes, do you want to see your score? And you go, yes. And then your score pops up on the screen. Yeah, that would be my third suggestion. But that would be all part of the computer adaptive testing. There's no, right. like, yeah, it's weird. Right. And so, and it's just like, that was, boy, that was coming up on two decades ago. And as far as I know, it's still real easy to do to do that. So, I, yeah, I just, I don't know if, if it's like they're doing it because it costs too much money for them to do that. Like, or they just want to keep too much of the profits. Or if it's because they're so protective of their questions and they just think they can do a better job of security or something. I don't no, know. That's a good question. I mean, how much of it is the money here? And I, I don't necessarily understand that motivation either since they're nonprofits. So it's not like these people are necessarily, they're not necessarily taking away a lot of ind- money individually, right? Like maybe I'm just ignorant. I don't know how these things work, but like they have had this system in place for a long time and as a monopoly over the law school like test taking process i'm sure that they've made a ton of money and maybe shifting to this other model they would have to give up a huge percentage of that maybe i don't know i don't yeah, it would it would just, make lsac smaller potentially right <laughs> like if you're the executive if you're like at the top of this chain mm-hmm. you might not like this plan of moving all this big all, all this activity over to Sylvan, right? Like they would no longer have staffing partners. <laughs> they would have a contractor. They would have they would have outsourced the administration of the test to the learning centers. Then they wouldn't have to have this big customer service department and the testing day department and all of these you know sub departments or whatever. So sometimes what happens? I'm not saying that this is what happened in the LSAC specifically. But sometimes what happens in big organizations is that the managers, the higher up they go, the more they, you know, what they really want is to manage. And so, of course, they want to keep the whole thing in-house because they want to have this big empire to oversee. (laughs) But the problem is, like, this is a a lot of applicants, a lot of customers that are being affected negatively. Well, it's, it's not just negatively. It's also that, like, if you did it a different way, it would be so much better. It's not just the like they can't deliver the current system. It's like it's like the difference between a gas car and an electric car, right? Like you can make your gas car work better and better or you can just try a whole new system. And there are downsides to that too, but maybe a hybrid is the best option. But like I don't know, it's like they need a, a computer adaptive test would be a game changer administered through other places that would just dramatically change everything i don't know anyways yeah i was telling my class yesterday in san francisco i'm like well listen there's nothing really you can do about it i mean you can plan ahead you can hopefully have multiple retake dates on your schedule but i was like listen the deadline for january is coming up right the deadline for january is on again um uh, where is that? Uh, December 3rd. It's a Tuesday. December 3rd. A Tuesday, right. Always a Tuesday. Remember that. Um, December 3rd is the registration deadline for the January LSAT. And I'm telling my students, like, if you think you're going to be ready, then you need to apply. You need to sign up by December 3rd, which is eight days from today as I'm recording this. And you also need to kind of plan for potentially LSAC will close your registration. Like they'll close your testing center at the very last minute. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just need to actually expect that. 
Yeah. Because that's the best that like for mentally, that's the best way you can prepare is to just, yeah. Okay. Hope for the best, but also plan for the worst. So I don't know, man, if, if I was serious right now about the LSAT, like let's say I had just been taking a class or I've been studying seriously for a while. My practice tests are getting close to where I want them. Yeah. I would actually have all of the test administrations in my area. Like all of those would be blocked off on my calendar. Yeah. Like all of them between now and September of 2020. Yeah. I'd have all those dates blocked off on my calendar. Like, and you know, and of course some of them are going to conflict, but that's the point is that because you're going to have one or two or more conflicts, yeah, you should have all those dates on your calendar. Yeah. Um, because it could be not just the conflicts in your actual life. It can also be maybe the test doesn't go that well for you and you need to retake. And then it can also be now the LSAC canceling things at the last minute. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Should we move on? We should. <laughs> is this another update? I, well, this is what went out. <laughs> this is the email that went out with the uh, final reminders. This is the email that people get when they're registered for the test. Okay. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. Some of the stuff in here I think is pretty funny. Okay. Why, why don't you just take a look at it? All right. Do you want me to just read the, to yeah. start reading it? Yes. Okay. Dear registrant, this is from LSAC. Our records indicate that you are registered to take the November 2019 law school admission test, LSAT. Okay. <laughs> as, as if they're confused as to what they've signed up for. Um, below you will find information about important LSAT testing regulations designed to prevent test takers from trying to gain an unfair advantage on the test. Oh, boy. Wow. You know, one thing about LSAC that I just can't get over and is their wordiness. Can they just cut to the chase? I really, like, I'm almost tired of reading this email. The intent They're of, a bunch of lawyers, you know? <laughs> well, you it's can like, say this. <laughs> you don't even have to say any of this so far. Here are some rules. <laughs> Follow them. Yeah. We yeah. all know. Sup, fool. What's up, fool? Sup, fool. <laughs> You're signed up for the LSAT. You don't even Here's need to the say rules. that. They know that, right? It's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Dear registrant, here are some rules. <laughs> is, anyways, yeah. the intent of these procedures is to promote a fair testing oh, environment God. for all test takers. Really? Hmm, interesting. Bold identification. You will be required to present a valid government issued ID that is current or has expired within 90 days of your test date and contains a recent and recognizable photo. The first and last name on your ID must match exactly the first and last name on your LSAT admission ticket or you will be denied admission. Please be sure all of your biological data is consistent. Okay, so then they give us a list of acceptable forms of ID. Um, wow, there's a lot here, actually. So passport book, passport card, driver's license, just FYI, by the way, if you guys are wondering. Stater provided your province-issued ID. U.S. military IDs work. Canadian permanent resident card. Hmm. National ID card, consular card, and certain Canadian health care benefit cards. Wow. Lots of options. Okay. Um, okay. They all must include a recent and recognizable photo, your first and last name, your date of birth, 
Does your driver's license have your date of birth? It must. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. They want to know how old you are. Okay. Access to the test center will not be permitted without proper ID. Yes. Gosh, we get it. The following are not acceptable forms of ID. Wow. People. Okay. You can't bring your birth certificate. <laughs> well, of course, it doesn't have a picture of you on it. Um, credit cards. Who brings these things? Employee IDs, student IDs. I could see people doing that. Social security cards, social insurance cards. They don't work. Okay. Wow, this keeps going. So, Nathan, what- <laughs> That's all just on the IDs. <laughs> they give you like 12 IDs that will work and then a whole bunch of IDs that won't work. Okay, fine. Listen, driver's license or passport or equivalent. Okay, that's what you need. Birth certificate, social security card is not going to get it done. Yeah. All right. Your credit card is not going to get it done. Okay, so we got. I'm going to skip ahead. They've decided to bold some things here. Maybe okay. those are super important. So under admission ticket, they've bolded the following: the photo on your admission ticket must be different than the one on your government issued ID. That should be different from, by the way. Okay, interesting. So make sure your photos are different. You're going to take a photo for your admission ticket, and then that's going to be different from the one on your government-issued ID. Next bolded sentence. If you do not present both acceptable identification and your photo-bearing LSAT admission ticket, you will be denied entrance to the testing room and your test registration will be forfeited. (laughs) Wow. Intense. Oh, this whole paragraph is bolded. To gain admission to the test center, you will be required to sign your LSAT admission ticket at the test center to certify that you agree to be bounded by the terms of LSAT policies at LSAT.org and that you are not bringing into the test center a cell phone phone or other prohibited <laughs> items. See below for more information. <laughs> okay. So, by the way, you need to do that signing at the test center. Okay. All right. So, hey, here are things you can bring. A valid ID, a wallet, keys, or car, fob, or whatever. Feminine feminine hygiene or medical products. Um, number two, pencils, which, by the way, I would recommend. I prefer pencils when doing games. Um, mechanical pencils are prohibited. They say you can bring a highlighter. I don't see any need for that at all. Nope. An eraser. Oh, and that's only for pencil and paper. Paper and pencil tests. Oh, side note, yeah. <laughs> if you sneak in with a highlighter on your digital LSAT, you could run into problems. You can bring a pencil sharpener, tissues, a beverage in a plastic container or juice box, maximum size 20 (laughs) ounces or 591 (laughs) milliliters, and a snack for the break only. But you can't bring an aluminum can. Aluminum cans are not permitted. Whatever happened? Did someone try to cheat with an aluminum can? Uh, Hypothetically, you could have... Electronics inside? What? So you can bring a plastic container or a juice box. Look, if you're sophisticated enough to bring tech into an with an inside of an aluminum can, why not bring it inside of a juice box? A juice box cannot be. Yeah, you're not going through a metal detector. Who knows? I feel like they just one time somebody made a noise with an aluminum (laughs) can, and they're like, oh. Banning aluminum cans Add it now. to the list. Yeah. Well, the problem with these overly long lists is that then you kind of bury the important stuff here. Like people do sign up to, or they do show up to the test center with their ticket signed, right? They didn't realize that, oh, you have to sign it at the test center. Um, and little technicalities like that. Anyways, 
Items not allowed in the testing room. Okay, people should know this by now, but electronic timers, beeping watches, alarm watches, calculator watches, or chronograph watches. What are, what's that? What's a chronograph? I have absolutely no idea. Okay, well, don't they bring it. They could have just said anything with digital anything. <laughs> anything digital at all, yeah. You can have an analog wristwatch, but if it has any display of any sort or makes any noises or any kind of, you can't. Oh, and just so you know, I know some of you are wondering, um, but no electronic cigarettes. Lots of people are wondering that because people vape all the time these days. And why they're not letting you bring your e-cigarette, I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Again, it's just they're paranoid about cheating. I love this. They have iPods listed here, which is interesting. (laughs) iPods. iPods. Like that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, all these things. So beepers. Wait, they have beepers and pagers. Okay, no beepers or pagers. Who's bringing that, by the way? (laughs) People would never. People would never think of these things. Fitness tracking devices. You know, like it's just like a bracelet. Your your whatever it is. It's just a little bracelet. Nope, can't have that. Uh, Cell phones. Also, you can't use the payphone. Yeah, the use of a payphone is also prohibited. If Good you luck can finding find a payphone, but yeah, <laughs> but nope, can't use it if you do find it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, all these are on the LSAC website, by the way. All right, sorry, I'm gonna keep skipping ahead to bolded things. Bold next bolded item violations will be grounds for score ca- cancellation. Oh, okay, dismissals will be reported to LSAC and are grounds for score ca- cancellation and or review by the quote misconduct and irregularities in the admissions. Admission Process Subcommittee. That's like a formal title. One of those right. things that would have to go that's away. That's it. We, that, that's all I wanted to. I, I just wanted to go through that list of all those things again. It's always I'm reading me, the, I'm reading the bold stuff. Apparently that's important. Although they do repeat yeah. themselves. Who was this? Thank you, LSAC. I'm not going to read who it was. Yep. All right, next one. Uh, this is a question about California bar schools. Hey guys, thanks so much for all that you do. I recently discovered your podcast and I've already learned so much exclamation point. I'm a 42 year old California resident and I'm going back to school to pursue a law degree in hopes of becoming an FDA compliance attorney in the supplement industry. I've been in the industry for almost 15 years already. I intend to practice law in California and have no plans of ever moving to another state. I've been looking at CBA, California Bar Accredited Schools, since they are less expensive than ABA schools and also have special programs for mature students entering law school later in my later in life like myself. Okay. I'm not really that interested in the special programs, but the fact that they're cheaper uh, is a real good reason to consider uh, California bar schools. I've heard conflicting advice on attending state bar accredited schools as opposed to ABA accredited schools. What is your advice to someone who only wants to practice law in the state uh, where they attend school? I already know what field of law I want to practice in, and it does not require a law degree from a top school but I'm still concerned and would like to know your professional advice on this. Thank you, Julie. So just to recap, Ben, Julie's been in the industry. This is uh, FDA compliance in the supplement industry. Okay. Got it. She's been in that industry for almost 15 years. And it sounds like she has been working kind of shoulder to shoulder with lawyers. Sounds like it. And she wants to stay in that field. Like it sounds like she knows FDA compliance attorneys. Hundred percent. 
And she's thinking, hey, I'm never going to move out of California. California bar accredited schools do certify you to sit for the California bar exam. Why don't I just consider a California bar school? What do you think? So I don't know the consequences of not going to an ABA school outside of California, but it sounds like this is a perfectly fine option. That said, I guess if you could go to an ABA school for free, I might just opt for that. <laughs> like, Yeah, I think the California bar schools are not going to be giving scholarships because they're not like competitive with the ABA schools. Yeah. But they are immensely cheaper mm. uh, and easy to get into. And, you know, for Julie, it, it might be really hard for her to potentially, I, I have no idea. I mean, this email is pretty well written. I, I don't think she's going to really struggle on the LSAT. But, you know, depending how much, how much LSAT prep she's done and depending on how hard of a time she's having and depending on if there's a, like maybe there's a really convenient California bar school close to her that works with her family. Maybe she could go part time, you know, keep her job, do this California bar school. If it's right in her backyard, mm-hmm. it, these, some of these schools, you know, they cost instead of $50,000 a year, they cost $8,000 a year. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, I mean, that's the equivalent of getting an 80 or 90% scholarship to an ABA school. The consequences that I know of are these. It will not certify you to take the bar in another state. So, you know, you got to be sure you're going to stay in California. I do think, though, that once you pass the California bar exam, I imagine there's some sort of a program for taking the bar in other states if you're already licensed in California. Yeah. Got to be, right? <laughs> You're a licensed attorney in the state of California and you want to move to Maryland. Surely Maryland would ha- let you take their bar exam if you already passed the California bar. Yeah. Okay. You will have to take, Julie, you will have to take the baby bar. I want the baby bar at every school. Um, I think they should, f- I think that the likes of, you know, Southwestern. And uh, Hastings, I think that schools like that, you should have to take the baby bar, but you don't because they're ABA accredited. Yeah. The baby bar is an exam that you take after your 1L year, and it's like a minimum competency type of a thing for the California bar exam. Yeah. And if you don't pass the baby bar, then you're not allowed to keep studying in your second and third year. You can retake the baby bar, of course. Yeah. But the point of the baby bar is to keep predatory schools from ripping you off for three years. <laughs> like they're basically they're like, well, yeah, you can rip people off for one year, but then if they can't pass the baby bar, then you can't rip them off for year two and three and beyond. Yeah. And so Julie, if you do choose the California bar accredited school, you will have to take the baby bar. But again, like if you struggle with the baby bar, you're, you're, it's a pretty clear sign that you're like not going to be able to pass the California bar eventually anyway. Okay. At least not, not the way you're going. Yeah. So it's sort of like a suggested, Hey, <laughs> why don't you cross this bridge first yeah. before you keep paying money, you know, to study law for extra years. Yeah. Um, it, 
it, it will be hard to get a job coming out of a California bar school. Like you're not going to walk into law firms. You're not, you know, like you're going to have to make your own career path with that. But it sounds here. And, but there are plenty of people who already know where they'll work. Like they, like for, for Julie sounds like she is a professional in this industry that knows these lawyers. I guess the last thing I would say is just make sure you talk to these compliance attorneys that you know already and tell them your plan and see what they think. Right. I mean, they'll know. Yeah. That was going to be my first advice. Just ask them like, Oh, do you think I can do this and get your job? But she did say she's heard conflicting advice. So I wonder if she's already talked to them and they don't know, but then you just need to go talk to maybe the people who make these hiring decisions and say, Hey, can I do this? <laughs> yeah. This you have, what are you looking for? Um, right. Just go Julie totally has standing in this industry to like go to these hiring people and be like, Hey, would you hire me if I pass the bar? Like if I, does it matter if I go to an ABA school or a California bar school? Like, do you care? Yeah. I can certainly see people like if you, depending who you ask, right. What I want her to do is she needs to find people who have done this. Right. If you can't find somebody who has actually done this, then maybe it's not a thing that can be done. That could be a red flag, but you know, or, or you're going to become a pioneer and be the first person who ever did that. That that's possible too. But I would look for the people who did do that. Cause when you ask the people who went to ABA schools, I can see them just being like, Oh no, no, no. Well, I would never, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's like, yeah, yeah. That's cause you went to Southwestern and you're proud of the fact that you went to an ABA school. That's nice for you, but I'm not asking that. I'm asking, is this a credible career path? Cause it seems to me that I could pay a lot less and just, go to a California bar school and then get one of these jobs. Yeah. Um, anyway, check it out, Julie, uh, write us back, please help at thinking else at, and let us know what you find out. Cause I mean, if you go that route, I, it, it seems, seems like it makes sense to me. I would give a provisional. Yes. Cool. But do some research. Yeah, I agree. Right, you want to read this next one? Sure. This is a question about dyslexia. Hi there. Thank you for your podcast. I just discovered your podcast and you guys rock. Oh, thanks. I am an undergraduate student studying statistics and economics, and I'm about to take my LSAT in either April or June of 2020. Okay. And I will be graduating college in December of that same year. My GPA will most likely stay a 3.2 to 3.3 when I graduate. I'm scoring about a 160 on the practice tests I take. I'm scoring consistently very high on the logical reasoning and analytical reasoning, which is games, by the way, and making very few mistakes. However, my reading comprehension is in dire need of help. I hardly score any questions right, and my highest reading section score is getting 50% of the questions right. And that was when I took my time on that section, and I really tried, really, really tried. I typically score 30 to 40% of the questions on the reading comprehension questions correct. My LSAT goal is to score 172 to help balance my low GPA, but I can't score 172 if I'm getting all of the reading comprehension questions wrong. Okay. Also, I am dyslexic, not illiterate like in the subject line. Wait, subject line. I missed the subject line. Yeah, we didn't get that. Anyways, do you have any tips for a dyslexic like me? Also... 
I know my inability to read might sound bad, but I'm absolutely 100% determined that law school is the path for me. I know I have wanted to go to law school since I was a freshman in high school. Mm. I have thought about this option for the past eight and a half years, done well in high school in collegiate debate, interned with lawyers, and I know this is where I want to go, even though I am dyslexic. Can you please help me with tips and advice for the reading section? Thank you so much for your time and consideration. Sincerely, the illiterate future lawyer. <laughs> okay, wait. So I, there's some things I have to reckon with here first of all. Um, one, I, I'm optimistic for you. If, if you're doing 160 and yet doing so poorly on reading comp, I, I feel like if you fix this problem, you can do decently well. Um, so there's some good news there. And the other thing here is that you're, if you really are scoring very high on logical reasoning, as you say you are, you can read. <laughs> yeah. So we just need to figure out how to take what you're doing for four sentences and just do it for 16. Reading comp yeah, is treat, only four. Yeah, treat the reading comp like LR. Yeah. Whatever you're doing on LR, do that on reading comp. Like maybe for you mentally, you need to think of the reading comp passage as like four or five logical reasoning questions. You tackle one at a time, and then you put them all together, and you see what you got as a whole. It sounds like you're struggling seeing the big picture. You're letting yourself get tossed around, lost in the details, but you're not letting that happen in logical reasoning. In logical reasoning, when you don't understand something, you dig in, you understand it, and then you move forward. And maybe reading comp is so much, or looks like it's so much to you, that you just kind of let the passage toss you around, as opposed to saying, okay, well, let's take a look at these first four sentences. Do I understand them yeah. as well as I would a logical reasoning passage? If so, great. What do you think of it? Now move on. That's my advice right now. People, given this people give up. On the, they get intimidated. You got to have the ego to believe that you can really understand the passage, and that means that when you read a couple sentences and you don't understand it, you stop right there and you reread it until you get something out of it, so that you know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. And you just continue to do that all the way through the entire passage, and then when you get done, you're like, oh, well, yeah, basically it was about this. Yep. But I think you, if you, you, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just, this person is making jokes about being illiterate, right? Mm -hmm. But, but I think you're, you're letting that happen. You're, you have to, you're losing the battle of will, I think is my hypothesis that you're, you're getting, you're getting halfway through the passage and then you're just kind of throwing your hands up like, well, let me just, I got to get to the end of this thing. So let me just, and then you just kind of, your eyes are going over the words, but like nothing's going in at all. Yeah, and then you just get to the end of the passage, like, "Well, I read it, but no, you didn't read it." Because can you tell me what it's about? Like, can you tell me what they want? Why did they write this passage? You know, what is this? What do they want? If you can't tell me, then you just you didn't really read it. Yeah. So you have to read it better. You can't do that well on logical reasoning by like luck, right? I mean, no. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very confused. I mean, thirty to forty percent on the reading comp questions. <sighs> I would, I would also suggest, uh, signing up for the demon. Uh, if you're doing as poorly as you say you are in reading comp, it will figure that out pretty quickly, give you some easier reading comp passages. And 
don't worry about the time. Just treat the passages, four or five logical reasoning questions put together <laughs> yeah, and go through them and keep working on them until you get 100% correct of the questions you do in each passage. And I don't care if it takes you 30 minutes. When you do get questions wrong, go back to the passage, reread the sentences, and ask yourself what you missed. What didn't you see in the passage? And if you say, oh, okay, there was a sentence in the second paragraph that I just didn't register. Maybe ask yourself why that didn't register to you. Um, you know, Nathan, you've said this a bunch on the show, and I've started saying this in class. The the passage is a compilation of all the correct answers. So, yeah, given how well you understand logical reasoning, this is our advice. I think we just you just take those skills and you transport them over here to reading comp. Yep. If if you're good at uh, logical reasoning, then that means you understand how to do um, must be true questions or supported questions. Yep. And one thing that people don't understand is that the reading comp questions are heavily weighted into must be true conclusion and supported. Yeah. That's basically, they're all in the, not all, but 90% of them or more are in that top down family. Yeah. So when you review your mistakes, it's guaranteed that your mistakes, you have picked an answer that is different or extra. Yeah. It's it's you have picked an answer that is something that the passage just didn't say. And you need to go back to basics and pick simpler answers that are just rooted in the passage itself. I did a passage yesterday in my class in San Francisco where I swear to God, every question was just the main point again. Yeah. It, like it was again and again and again, just the main point. Sure. And, and it was... <laughs> It was like, well, yeah, I mean, they're doing a nice job of testing whether you comprehended what you read. You have to read the passage. You have to know what it's about. But then when you pick the answers, it's just the wrong answers are like slightly misdescribing the, they just, it's just, they say something wrong. They say, especially they say something extra, right? Like if you think about it from the test maker's perspective, I know I've said this a million times, but I think it's a useful tip. If you think about it from their perspective, they have to write four wrong answers for every right answer. Yeah. One real easy way to do that is you, you, you write an answer that would be correct. And then you just like turn up the volume a little bit too high. Yeah. You just add, you just make it extra. You just throw in like, you just make it a little bit stronger. And now that becomes a really attractive wrong answer. Because it was basically correct mm-hmm. until you just kind of amped it up too high. Yeah. So if you're missing questions on reading comp, it's, it's like guaranteed. If you're missing questions on reading comp, you're picking answers that are more than what the passage actually said. Just different or more than. Yeah. Last tip, we haven't mentioned accommodations yet. Oh, yeah. It's a good thought. I mean, I would assume <laughs> that if you're dyslexic, you have already applied for and gotten your accommodations. Um, it might be as simple as just go get extra time. Yeah. I mean, if you are documented, like a medical doctor has said, yes, this person is dyslexic, you will guaranteed get 53 minutes. Or I, if you ask for 70 minutes, I think you'll get 70 minutes. Yeah. So you could experiment before you request your accommodations. You could try reading comprehension sections with 53 or with 70. But eventually, you know, with 
with 70 minutes, you should be able to get most of the questions right on reading comp. Yeah. And if not, <laughs> then, you know, it's like, I know you keep saying you're committed and all that, but I don't care how determined you are. You know, I don't care how de- the fact that you were determined to be a lawyer when you were a freshman in high school does nothing for me because freshmen in high school don't really know what lawyers do, but you, you know, if you get those accommodations and, and if you, if you practice and in 70, can you imagine Ben, like how could you possibly be successful in the law if in 70 minutes you were not able to get like the bulk of the reading comprehension questions, right? It's going to be a struggle. I mean, Man. law school is much more like reading comprehension than logical reasoning or games. <laughs> right. If you think the reading comprehension passages are convoluted, <laughs> wait till you get to like day one of your torts class or whatever. Yeah, go home and read 20 pages on random old cases from the 1800s and come tell us what the main point is. <laughs> yeah. Or really, no, don't come tell us what the main point is. Come prepared to answer any question I decide to throw at you in class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, keep listening to the show. Definitely look into the accommodations thing. And uh, remember that all those questions on the reading comp are basically supported. Must be true. Top-down questions. Yeah. Is it my turn? I don't know. It's a question about biconditionals. I think this will be a pretty quick one. Sure. Hi, I've been listening to the podcast for a few weeks now. The podcast has been great. My only complaint is that it's only once a week, exclamation point. I want to run a question by you guys considering biconditional rules. The question stems from practice test 29, section 3, game 1. I don't think that's really relevant. It just says bill 1 can't be paid on the same day as bill 5. I remember this game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. You have bills one through seven, and you're going to pay them all on a, what, Wednesday or Thursday? I think it was. Yeah. And you have to divide them between Wednesday and Thursday. And the rule says bill one cannot be paid on the same day as five. And by the way, there this, were only two days. There was Wednesday yeah, and Thursday. Right. Wednesday and Thursday, and that's it. Bill one can't be paid on the same day as day five. I converted the logic, and then it's got a, a double arrow here. Okay. So an arrow that goes in both directions. I converted the logic to. One, not five. If one, not five, and the arrow goes both ways. I, this is kind of botching this on radio. but <laughs> Wait, wait, hold on. So he did it just one way, and he, can, he says the correct translation is both ways. Oh, and he's saying, why is it not the other way? Yep. Do they mean the same? Do they mean the same? So do they mean the same? If one, not five, and if not five, then you have to have one. Does that mean the same as, why isn't it just if one, not five? Or do they mean the same? Okay, yeah, I understand the question. Yep, so there, there's there's a whole thing. There's a lot of things we got to unpack here, first of all. Um, but one, these things are not the same. So if... Can I take a short stab, though? Like, just real quick, though? Sure. In this context, they are the same. Because there's only two groups. Because there's only two groups. Sure. Yeah. So that's your that's your the short answer to this question is in this context in this context because there are only two groups. If if one is there, then five can't be. But also because there's only two groups, if five is not there, then one has to be. 
If there were three groups, that would not be the case. But because there's two groups, that has to be the case. Although it, this whole thing is like confusing and, and convoluted because uh, most people who write if one, then not five, what they actually mean is if one is like on Wednesday, then five is not on is on Thursday. Yeah. But uh, this rule actually is saying if one is on Wednesday or Thursday, then five is not there, which, like you said, means it's got to go to the other day. <laughs> so these two things in this particular game do mean the same thing. But normally yeah. they don't. Uh, if the arrows go both ways, then that means that the two conditions are mutually dependent on each other. So if one happens, the other one has to happen, and vice versa, which means they're either both going to happen or they're both not going to happen. But in other contexts where you have three or more groups, if one then not five means, okay, yep. well, if one happens and five doesn't happen, but it doesn't tell me anything about what happens when one doesn't happen. And so then they mean something different. Uh, that, like, forget all of this, though. The easiest yeah. way to, like, represent this rule when you have two groups, a Wednesday and a Thursday, and they tell you that bill one cannot be paid on the same day as bill five. Yep. And they all have to be paid. They all have to be paid. That means you're going to have one bill on one of the days, and you're going to have bill five on the other day. So I just put a one on Wednesday and a five on Thursday, and then had an arc going back and forth. You could, That's one way to do it? You could do two worlds. Uh, I think I decided not to in this game because I don't think any of the other rules link into one or five. But if they did. But if they did, then you certainly would want to create two worlds. One where one is on Wednesday and five is on Thursday, and then yeah. one where five is on Wednesday and one is on Thursday. You can get rid of the, You can skip all of this if-then convoluted garbage and just right. start focusing on what's happening. But even yep. in this game, where I don't think it makes sense to do worlds on the basis of one and five, you just do one on one and five on the other, and then you have an arc showing that they're going back and forth because that's all that's really happening here. Yeah, all you have to do is just take up those spots. Yep. Right, so that that is an important little trick. Seat the assholes first, I like to call it. Sure, one and five are assholes; they can never be in the same group. Okay, fine, but they do have to each go in one of the groups. So yeah, fine. So I'll put one in one, five in the other, and put that arc in between the two to show that they can flip flop. Now you've taken up those seats, and then that might have bearing on that. The other. Does. Yeah, that can be very helpful. Yeah, yeah. you're like, now, oh, if only- one, yeah. Anyway, if either of these players was mentioned in even one more rule. I would be probably making worlds. Oh, for sure. Well, probably. Uh, yeah, most likely. Right. Well, it's mm-hmm. real. It's real fast to do it. Right. One yeah. and five, five and one takes no time. And then if it's like if five's on Wednesday, then blah blah blah. It's like yeah, okay. Let me just sort that out in the world where five's on Wednesday. Yep. Right. Because it doesn't apply in the other world. If you want okay. to see exactly what we're talking about, go to lsatdemon.com, uh, create a free yeah. account, log in, click on the menu, then click on explanations, scroll down to prep test 29, click on game one, and just hit that video, and you can see exactly what we mean by the arc and so on. Yeah, keep practicing. The demon has every logic game ever, and it has explanations for every logic game ever, multiple explanations for every logic game ever. Uh the LSAT logic games are testing how hard you can work. And if you can work real hard, you can improve like immensely on the games. <laughs> We're here to help, but you're going to have to do that work first and then uh, watch all the videos. I have a student in my class right now, or just the class that just ended yesterday in San Francisco. Um, really sweet. She told me on Saturday during the lunch or whatever break, she said that she's still really struggling with the games. And I asked, um, 
Oh, how many of the games do you think you've done? Just, you know, like total. How many Logic yeah. games have you done? Yeah. And she's like, um, uh, I mean, 20. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I'm like, well, that's a good start. Good start. Uh, yep. You, mm-hmm. you have to do 20 before you can get to 200, <laughs> which many of your, uh, many of your competitors are doing. Yeah. Um, we have how many games do we have now to practice from? Well, let's see here. So there's there's 89 tests plus four more, four more tests. So there's 93 at least, right? So there's 93 times four. So 372 logic games that are out there. Uh, and and there's if you really want to dig, you can do LZ India. So that's another 24. Wow. But anyways, yeah, there's. <laughs> And you can repeat games, right? Oh, that game right. went, didn't go so well. Let me try it again. Um, yeah. So you know, if you if you just put in the practice, you can definitely um, improve. And I think the demon is really like that's all you need is the demon. If you get the demon, you've got all the games in your pocket, and you can just practice those games whenever. And if you keep doing that, you are guaranteed to improve. And the, and the videos are right there. So if you get really stuck, you just watch a video. Oh, I see what they did. That's interesting. And if you watch multiple videos, you're going to see multiple different approaches because neither of us are teaching from scripts. Yeah. So, I mean, now in class is when I have the camera rolling, I'll like try to do weird shit almost. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. well, let me try it in this totally different way and see what happens. Yeah. And it always works. Because we, well, we have all those videos. So it's like you can check out different ways of doing it and see which one you like better. Ready for this uh, diversity statement? Yeah, so Jonathan's diversity statement. Um, it looks really long. It looks really long. And by the way, Jonathan, it looks like you did this, um, what's this called, justified? Where you like, as oh, opposed yeah. to right justified or left justified, it's going it's to full the justified. Full what, justified. What that's okay. called. Yeah, I, that's absolutely wrong. Do not do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just made it right justified or left justified. In any case, John writes, this is a diversity statement, by the way. While I would not consider my racial or ethnic background necessarily diverse. Okay, that's concerning. <laughs> well, while I wouldn't consider it necessarily diverse. In other words, what you're saying is you're white. Are you white? Yeah, like what? I, what's going on here? Just omit... <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. Okay. Mm -hmm. He continues. I believe that my STEM background, science, technology, engineering, and math, (laughs) if you don't know what that is, would bring a diverse perspective to law school. Okay. What you believe doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a, just stay, just say it. Don't ever say, I believe that. Just Mm -hmm. say my STEM background would bring a diverse perspective to law school. That's your conclusion. But you can say that without I believe that. He continues, My STEM background has provided me with invaluable experiences that have shaped my career pursuits. Mm. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, just a general pet peeve, I hate it when, um, I don't hate it, I strongly dislike when 
these young applicants refer to their career. That's yeah, fine said that if, before. if you have a career, but most people have been working for a year or two. <laughs> or you're still in college. Or you're still in college. It's like, this is not a career, buddy. This is just, it's the beginning of one, but it's not a career. Anyways, um, it's overselling. It's too, That's all it well, is. Well, yeah, and it's too high level. It's, it's not specific. It's a conclusion. Mm-hmm. It, you're telling me that these experiences were invaluable. Yeah. Why? Like what? What are we talking about? One early example occurred during my senior year of high school. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. You're, you just told me about your career, so I was expecting maybe you've been doing something in STEM for five years. Um, and now you're telling me that an early example hurt occurred during your senior year of high school. Mentioning high school is a clear sign of immaturity. If you think that anything that you did in high school is relevant to your law school application, I immediately start thinking that you're basically like a child. Essentially, like it yeah. Just, it's just, it's, you're, I mean, unless that thing that happened in high school was fucking serious business. Or, or a core to some explanation of what you're doing. But again, it's only one sentence and it's leading us to something else, right? It's just making me think of you as a high schooler now. Yeah. Okay, well, he continues. When I had an unexpected conversation with a peer, I was tutoring. Oh, geez. Um, so something amazing happened while you had, had a conversation. Still with the lead up, right? Yep, we still don't like, know what it is, and we're like four sentences in here. This is that Pixar thing, that that tip about writing with that Pixar. That there's a whole thing. There's a great blog post about storytelling tips mm, from from Pixar. Yeah, but one of them is just that you need to start way deeper into the story. Like just start in the middle of the story. Sure. Like then. start at the start at the best part, the moment, the action. You know, yeah. like I want, like le- if this if you want to tell me about this conversation, the very first line needs to be something from the conversation. No, yeah, just think about so many good movies, and bad movies do it too, but good movies where the first opening scene is some guy speeding away in a vehicle. And yeah, it's like, bam. What yeah. the hell is going on? Then they'll explain yeah. to you that like, <laughs> right, who they were running at- from. <laughs> Like this sentence is, I mean, it's, um, it's just like incredibly boring, right? Mm-hmm. One early example occurred during my senior year of high school when I had an unexpected conversation with a peer I was tutoring. It's like, there is nothing there. Like, what? I think Jonathan, too, is trying to be like, look, I was tutoring a peer in high school. Do you see that? I'm Just a, throw that in there. Yeah. I, I was a tutor. <laughs> Anyways, she informed me that I, that she could not complete her geometry homework because she had duties of a higher prior of higher priority to attend to in the home. Oh my gosh. This is like you're wasting my time now. Yeah. So now we're going to hear about her situation. And she, this is someone you went to high school with. <laughs> This is, we're hearing from someone who you tutored in high school, an excuse of why she couldn't complete her geometry homework. Yeah, why, so, am, why am I hearing this? Yeah. He continues, her situation resonated with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just we say still it. don't know what's Fucking happening. Fucking spit it out, man. 
I had not fully realized until then that many of my peers, yeah, oddly refer to all your friends as peers, had to make a choice between pursuing their academic interests and providing for their family at home on a daily wow. basis. What are you talking about, Jonathan? I thought you were going to tell me about STEM. Yeah. This now is you're a- telling me about how you felt sorry for the girl you were tutoring and you, ha- and you hadn't fully realized until then that many of your peers were choosing between academic interest and providing for their family at home. What does that have to do with STEM? What does that have to do with you're telling me about how you were a naive in high school? It's not a good start. So no. we cut all this, but let's see if we can find something here. It yeah. turns out this was, a, was common at my high school where the graduation rate hovers around 75% and the proportion of economically disadvantaged students around 60%. Okay, I need to know about you. I need to know about STEM. I came to recognize that my upbringing had kept me from having to make a choice, providing me the opportunity to pursue any and all of my academic endeavors. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, wait, hold up. This is a diversity statement. I thought you were going to tell me how maybe you faced this challenge, but now you're telling me that you didn't face this challenge. You've, as far as I know, you're white and you just told me that you don't have to make this economic hard choice like your peers did. Ooh. Yeah, this is sounding like you are white, upper middle class, and you were naive that you didn't realize that some of your you know, people that you were in school with had to work for a living. I don't know where this is going. It has nothing to do with STEM. Nothing so to like do with diversity for you. You've now lied to the to, you've lied to the list the reader, right? The reader was expecting you to make an argument about STEM based on your first two sentences. Well, he was it's, tutoring geometry. <laughs> that's that's what STEM has to do with it. Is because he was tutoring geometry and that's how he met this per- I guess. Hey, that's the best we got. That's the best case we can make for it. All right. So cut all that. Weird. Um, yeah. Okay. Since then, I've worked to help provide that opportunity by addressing a root cause, colon, lack of access to educational and career-related resources. Still general, I don't know what you do. It was this, it was with this mindset that I decided to become a teaching assistant for the introductory materials science class in college, allowing me to be an active force in the educational process. Really? You got paid for that job, dude. I don't. That that feel doesn't that not feel like a stretch there? It feels like a stretch. I'm not saying even it, if this is true. Let's just say that it's true. You don't say this. Allowing me to be an active force in the educational <laughs> process, like you're way overselling stuff. You need to say, uh, I decided to be a TA. <laughs> And that's why you're diverse. I, I we we yeah. gotta get more here. I've since continued to pursue opportunities that support education as a for inspiration and recognition of science and technology, Lego League and MathWorks Mentor. Jesus, it's a long name. A first Lego League. The the acronym is first Lego League and MathWorks Mentor, leading weekly sessions with middle school students. Here, I am able to provide an engineer's perspective. An engineer's perspective 
are you an engineer? I'm able to provide an engineer's perspective on simple math and robotics problems, and more importantly, show students in the real the real world impact of the problems they are working to solve. Okay, you're telling us that you show them this. We don't see you doing that, so we don't know how you do that or that you do that. This is some just like bloviating about. It's like a second. This is your diversity statement is not an a second personal statement. No, yeah, this is like trying to be a, a personal statement. And even then, this all needs to come down to one paragraph, and you need to make a point and get the fuck out. Well, is there a point to be made? Right. I mean, I think you could probably make a point, but it isn't this point. It isn't this whole rambling about you tutored geometry in high school and then now you work with middle school kids and because of... So you're diverse? You're committed to helping diversity? Maybe that? I I just don't see it having anything to do with diversity right now. Okay, let's keep going. It it is my firm belief, as opposed to just a belief, (laughs) (laughs) cut that, that educating students in STEM fields should be a critical priority for the future success of our nation. Oh, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. Okay, now you're going off on like some philosophy. We don't need philosophy. But both, by the way, technologically and economically, um, do you okay. work for a think tank or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, STEM backgrounds are underrepresented in Congress. Hmm. I don't hate this part. Okay, with just nine members holding STEM degrees and only seven percent of representatives in the 115th Congress reporting that they had some kind of STEM background. Uh, citation NPR 2018. Don't do that. <laughs> Get the citation out of there. Don't put the quotation. Boil that down a little bit. But I, at least you're making a point now. That we need more STEM in the legal yeah. world. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. If I'm fine with point, that, but I don't hate it. Uh, okay. Okay. This lack of diversity is highly discouraging as countless policy decisions imp- implicate science and technology, yet the overwhelming majority of decision makers have no STEM background. Yeah, we do have a lot of idiots who say the world isn't getting warmer. That's true. Or at least, yeah. Okay, good. This reality, combined with my experiences, has led me to the goal of one day seeking a position in policy. This reality combined with my experiences, okay? Ideally, I want to run for Congress in my home district in western New York. A law school education would give me better insight into the legal aspects of public policy and form a diverse ideological basis from which I may best pursue expansion of access to educational and career-related resources, comma, especially as it pertains to the STEM field. Whoa. That last sentence. Wow. How many words That's, is that? Yeah, oh, sorry, I got to always do the word count on that. Uh, that is forty-four words. Don't we that's have a hard cap at thirty-five? And even that's well, bad. I learned thirty-five, but I'm I'm lowering that. That we let's let's go to thirty, probably more like twenty-five. Well, yeah, like the, well, we're talking about like a hard cap. Like realistically, yes. you're going to be oscillating between ten and 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 twenty. <laughs> Except for most people who are bad writers, and I'm not saying that uh, Jonathan's a bad writer because he's actually not that bad. 
he's just wordy. Like he needs to be edited way he's wordy, way down. and he's talking about the wrong things. So he's totally I, talking about the wrong <laughs> when things. You say, what makes someone a good writer? Well, you got to talk about the right things. You got to talk about them more concisely and uh, with less um, puff. <laughs> write three sentences. Write three sentences that says just state the facts about the rarity of STEM in law school and yeah. in Congress. Yep. And that's why you're going to bring diversity. Yeah. Boom. Out. Drop the mic. Get the fuck out. Don't ramble on and on. You're Jonathan, you're being so disrespectful of your reader's time when you're rambling about the whole thing about the geometry student <laughs> and that she couldn't her sob story about how she had to work or whatever. What does that have? That has nothing to do with your case. Nope. I don't, I also don't, I'm just not buying the point about the reason why I decided to become a teaching assistant is so that I could expand diversity, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that might be true, Jonathan, but even if it is, it just sounds like a lie. So don't say it. Make the point about you. You're diverse because you have a STEM background. That's it. Yeah. That's a fucking fact, by the way. If they actually are interested in diversity in the classroom, like of, you know, because they keep saying it's not just racial diversity, it's all different sorts of diversity. Okay. Yeah. So if they are, if they are, which they should be genuinely concerned with diversity, then yeah, you do totally bring diversity. Like there are many law schools that are going to have zero STEM people in the entire class. So you do bring diversity. So great. So say that. Sweet. Thanks, Jonathan. You got time? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it short, dude. You got you to cut that down like uh, 90%. Yeah. I'm wondering if we have time for this. Yeah. I, mean, I have time. It's up to you. Okay. It's not a whole personal statement. It's just a like a question about personal statements. All right, let's rock through it. Want me to read it fast? Yeah, go for it. Hey, y'all. I love the podcast. I'm thankful for all the time and resources you both invest in LSAT students. Nathan, I just finished your quick and dirty LSAT primer. It helped me feel confident jumping into timed sections and made me laugh along the way. Feel free to use my name if you read this on the show. This is Devin. Thank you very much, Devin. That book, by the way, is called Introducing the LSAT, and it only costs like five or six bucks on Amazon, so everybody should buy it. (laughs) Agreed. After listening to countless episodes of you guys gloriously ripping into personal statements, (laughs) I feel fairly confident about drafting my own. That's what we're here for, to help you build confidence. (laughs) My problem is that I'm struggling with what topic to write about. I have three different routes I could take. One, my experience working in a law firm full-time during the first two years of my undergrad. Okay, sounds too young, but let's keep hearing. But at least it's a law firm. I like that. And he's working. (laughs) And you're working. Yep. Yes. Good. Two, my experience working as a research and business development assistant for a commercial brokerage company, which I'm doing now. Okay. Sounds more promising. Or three, my experience coaching a competitive high school dance team while still working full-time and being a full-time student. I'm seeing pros and cons to all three. I suppose this is a good problem to have, right? Yes. Yes, it is. All right. I'll I'll just go through these and then we'll talk about it. Sure. For my law firm, it could be impressive that I had an internship there while I was in high school. Nah, I don't care about that. Then got hired full-time once I graduated. 
I worked there full time and rose through the ranks from an intern to a receptionist to a paralegal, all while taking a full schedule of night classes. The caveats are that I would be making myself seem young and lots of candidates work in law firms. For my current job, I could write about all of all of the organizational and research systems I've implemented for my team. There's the potential for lots of showing and doing, but I fear that it will sound pretty boring, especially with it not being directly law related. So that's just another concern. Um, Okay. For coaching, it would be more interesting to read and it would explain an odd thing on my resume. I can also show, quote, doing here because I managed the entire dance program of a high school. I was hired by the county as an independent contractor, so it's legit, haha. I handle practices, games, competitions, finances, fundraising, budget of $25,000, traveling plans. This takes up about 10 to 12 hours of my week, but because this isn't a professional setting, I'm not sure if it will be as well received. And again, it's not law related. In my dream world, I would write a personal statement encompassing all three, but I can hear Nathan's exasperated voice saying, no, you need to tell me one story. Any help y'all could give me to point me in the right direction would be much appreciated. Uh, I'd also love to submit it for the show once I get through a few drafts. Many thanks, Devin. Yeah. Well, first of all, I definitely want you to submit it to the show because if we can help you get on the right topic and then see what you get from that... um That would be, I think, good for listeners to hear. Second thing is um, we say repeatedly on the show that you need to show us doing lawyer shit, and we don't actually mean legal work. We mean (laughs) getting things done, taking on challenges that are tough and solving problems. That is lawyer shit. It doesn't necessarily mean working in a law firm. In fact, working in a law firm could be a negative because so many other candidates do that. You seem to acknowledge that a little bit here, but you you seem to be worried that your last two topics are not law-related, and I don't care about that if they show you being a badass. That's really what we're saying. Law firms are a really great place to work really hard, mm-hmm. and it's really easy for the listen for the reader. It's really easy for the reader to see what you've done and just be like, "Oh, yep, totally." Like you're a kick-ass litigation paralegal. Oh, I don't care what kind of paralegal you are, but if you can show that you are a kick-ass paralegal and that you work with lawyers all the time and you know what that's like, yes, I think that those always make a compelling statement, even if it is common. Even if it is common, because it does show you know what you're getting into, right? You can't go be a good paralegal and not see the grueling hours that these people put in, see the kind of work that they have to deal with, and then still want to go to law school? Okay, great. We're not worried about you coming here and going, oh, shit, what am I doing here? Which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> the The problem is that, yeah, I mean, my only problem with Devin going down the law school route, law firm route, is that it was an internship while you're in high school. I don't really care about that part that much. I want to hear about the full-time work. Yeah. So he did become a paralegal there, but again, it still was a while ago. What have you done since then? That would be the question in my back in the back of my mind. It sounds like you've done some good stuff and it sounds like you've done the coaching while you're like, you're still doing it. It sounds like, right? It's this takes up about 12 10 to 12 hours of my week. So I could see a personal statement in which he or she, we don't or know. she, sorry, talks about these two things and um 
I could see that. I, I, I don't know. It depends on how much there is to say here, but they could actually kind of go together to show, look how much I'm doing. This is what I do at my job, and by the way, this is what I do at night. It's like, wow, you're doing amazing things at both places, and this is happening at the same time. You clearly can carry a full schedule. But I could also see a statement in which we just talk about the current work and all the amazing things you do there, or we just talk about the coaching and see you organize and run this program that would show me that you're a hard worker and can take on lots of work. But I, I almost wonder if there's a statement here where we talk about both. I I could see that. It would have to be concise and you'd have to know how to pull this all together, but I could see that. The current job. The current job. And, and the, the current and, and, and yeah. making it clear that those things are happening right now. Um, yeah. That, I mean, that's what lawyers do is they work all the time. <laughs> right. And they run their kids, you know... <laughs> Uh, they coach their kids' teams sometimes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they just do all of it, right? They're yeah. just amazing. Some of the most effective people I know, yeah, are like that, where they're just like, nah, we both have full-time jobs. I'm thinking of my friends Andy and April who live up in uh, Napa. Um, neither of them are lawyers, but they both work their asses off. And it's like, well, yeah, we both have full-time jobs, but um, we decided this year that uh, we'll both coach... Um, I'll coach Julian's team and April's going to coach Cole's team. And it's just easier that way (laughs) because basically they're better at it, you know? So they're they're just like, well, if I let somebody else do it, it'll be a shit show and I'll have to deal with the fallout of that. So instead I'll just do it all myself. Sure. And it's like, that does sound like lawyer ish. Right. (laughs) So yeah, I would, I would be happy to see something about the current job and sprinkle in a little bit about the balance with running the dance program. Yeah. It'd give you a little personality. It would give you personality. It would show you that you have extra interests outside of academic ones and that you pursue them and succeed on them. I mean, this isn't just like a side interest, like, oh, I'm interested in, you know, hikes or something. This is like, yeah, work. It would help you keep really recent too, because mm-hmm you would be writing about like a day in the life maybe of like right now, you know, what you're doing today at work. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I mean, I don't mean literally a day in the life. Don't freak out. What I'm saying is it's, you could show yourself as the person that they're actually getting right now. Yeah. You know, and if they see that you're like, holy shit, like she's legitimately working you know, 60 hours a week when you combine these two things together and she's kicking ass at all of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty strong, I would say. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if we were doing coaching with you, like our personal statement service, I'd probably just have you write both of these. And then or all three of them, you mean? Maybe even all three, but I'm, yeah. I'm more inclined just because the other one's earlier. <laughs> Get rid of the law firm one. Yeah, just yeah. at least for start to save yourself some time. Write the coaching one, write the current job one, and then see if we can bring them together. If one is obviously stronger and shows some great stories, then maybe we just go with that one. But since you have to write into the show, um, I would I would try for this hybrid approach. That's my that's my. I vote. mean, maybe the way Devin should get there is to to actually write the two separately. I think if Devin tried to write the two separately, mm-hmm. it would become clear which one was better. Sure. 
And then maybe you could sprinkle in the best elements from the other one. Yeah, like you have another, like a, I could see that in the, like the closing paragraph, like, and then, you know, at night I went on to do this, I, or at night I'd go on and do this, and this is, you know, something I, I enjoy, and but it's also been kind of a big job. <laughs> I don't know, I could see that, yeah. Cool. Uh, Devin has a PS that says, thanks for teaching me that it's possible to go to law school for free. At the rate I'm going, I'll graduate from law school completely debt-free, including my undergrad. That's one benefit of working full-time while in school. Yeah, <laughs> working full-time in school helps a lot. Um, and I am, it, it is definitely the most gratifying part of my job is when I hear people say that they have, especially when they say, I didn't know it was possible to go to law school for free. Yeah. And now I'm going to law school for free. Yeah. If I, if I figure out that I have, you know, if, if we have saved somebody like actually saved them $150,000, uh, that feels pretty good. So congratulations, Devin. And yeah, thanks for letting us know. Yeah. Should we wrap it up right there? We should. You can join the thinking else at podcast group on Facebook. If you want to hear people, um, <laughs> commiserating with each other about how they got their, uh, November LSAT canceled or other um, just LSAT chatter that's on uh, the Facebook group. We are at thinking LSAT on all of our social media. If you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you'll find out about classes and just various different things that we're doing. You can visit strategyprep.com If you want to learn about Ben's classes in DC, Fox LSAT.com. If you want to learn about my classes, those are in LA and in San Francisco. LSATdemon.com is where it's at. Uh, all of our live students, by the way, use the demon. And uh, if you are not going to take a live class from us, we firmly believe that the LSAT demon is all you need for prep. Um, so do a free trial, uh, check it out, and hit the ask button, send us emails, let us know what you think of it. We're going to make it as good as we can make it. But uh, if you're in you know, Omaha or whatever, you can just do the demon. You don't need a, a class. Uh, you can listen all sorts of ways. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, thinkingelset.com. Please sur- uh, subscribe and rate and review and do all those things. That was episode 221 of the Thinking Outside podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. 